back to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. I'm here with Dr. Jenna Lejeune. Hi, Jenna. Hello. And sadly, Brian is in his second week of chickenpox. Can you believe it? Yeah, all over his... I, I accidentally FaceTime and he, and he answered with a pillow up underneath his eyes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I yeah. just feel like that's so not right. You should be getting chickenpox when you're 12 and you a, I want to stay home from school. <laughs> that's and right. And B, get to eat ice cream all day. Yeah, no kidding. So yeah. we will welcome him back next week and um, really, really send him lots of our love and healing wishes. But in the meantime, just a reminder that this is a program for people who want to talk about their interior lives. And I don't think there's any guest who better represents what we're about than Kathleen Lane. She lives in Portland where she writes, teaches, and co-hosts the art and literary event series Share. She's also the founder of Create More, Fear Less. Hi. Hi, Sheila. I am so glad to know that you are a good friend of Courtney Hameister. I am. Who also is a big anxiety sufferer. Yes, and in fact, she's on our advisory council, so she's been very involved in this work. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I want to I start because I always think it's, uh, it's interesting how people describe themselves. You first describe yourself as a writer, but you're a writer with a lot of anxiety. I am. <laughs> so could we talk about when your own anxiety showed up for you? Um, when in my life? Um, I think, you know, I uh, probably from the beginning, um, but my relationship to my anxiety changed over time. Yeah. Um, and I would say not for the better. Um, when I was young, I just had one of those dark imaginations, you know, and it just happened really kind of organically. You know, the thoughts came and they went. I didn't get too attached to them. I definitely didn't feel any shame around my way of thinking. So, um, you know, if anything, it was born out of my imagination, definitely out of the fear that I felt, you know, uh -huh. in different circumstances. Yeah. But, you know, I... I wouldn't have called it this at the time, but now I can see that it was just my story-making mind, oh, right? How interesting. Did you, either of you, hear This American Life this weekend? Oh, no, I missed it. It is a special no. episode, uh, and Michael Barbaro, who I love, talks to a nine-year-old girl about her anxiety, which was coupled oh. with intrusive thoughts and OCD. Mm. And it was so fascinating for me as a person who loves language to listen to how a nine-year-old explains the experience of having anxiety. It blew me away oh, because she was, so, she was so verbal, and yet she was, she was really clear about how it would happen that she knew that if she saw someone who was vomiting, she was going to vomit, she was going to vomit, she was going to, and she would say the words mm. again and mm. again. Did you have that kind of intrusive thinking? Um, I did. Again, I didn't have any worry around it. I think this was pre-diagnosis um, in a way. Yeah. You know, we, I didn't have... Um, you know, my parents weren't looking at it as a mental illness. Yeah. I don't think they were even aware of what was happening inside me. I think that's part of it is that, um, you know, it's a very, um, you know, it's kind of a lonely experience, anxiety. Yeah. You know, you, it's you and your mind. Um, so, yeah, I did have these repetitive thoughts. And then I had my ways of comforting myself through them, you know. Let's um, talk about those. What were they? Um you know, I was, um, you know, repetitive, you know, I had my mantras, so yeah. much like Maggie in the book, I would repeat, um, you know, often when I had a negative thought, I would try to, you know, unthink it yeah. by 
having a I will not throw right. up. Right. I will not throw right. up. Right, uh-huh. right, right. Got it. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I also had a special fondness for even numbers. Oh, that's and so awesome. So if I skipped once, I felt the need to skip twice. Um, you know, if my arm brushed up against something, I had to brush my other arm. So it was that evenness, that keeping myself feeling, you know, balanced. It's and kind of that, like, um, you know, finding some way of controlling your environment when your environment feels mm-hmm. out of control. Mm-hmm. I just love it. And also that feeling of control, right? Right. And nobody as a nine-year-old knows that, hey, we all want a feeling of control, right? You don't even have that language. So Right, right. right. I mean, and, and, you know, part of the message of this program is, you know, flipping the dialogue a little bit. So, you know, if you look at kids, you know, um, you know, obviously we look at that as OCD, something that needs to be treated, fixed, you know, um, you can also reframe it as here's a kid who has figured out for themselves what I need to feel whole and safe. Yes. Yes. Right. Exactly. So the, the point of, uh, the broadcast yesterday was that so many kids actually get so paralyzed that they stop being able to move, to go to school, mm. to have mm-hmm. those things. Jenna, how do you feel about this? Um, it, it's like a repetitive practice and an exposure therapy where they take the kids in and they actually make them do their worst fear again and again and again and again. Um, well, the only word that I don't like in what you just said is make. Um, okay. Because the uh, what's really, really important is not that you're like either forcing yourself. I often talk about it as like white knuckling. You don't want to like white knuckle your way through anxiety. Yeah. Because you're just sort of, again, reinforcing this idea that, oh, this is scary. This is bad. I got to fight against this. Right. So in ACT, we use the word willingness. Yeah. And that's this idea of would you be willing to face the thing that you are most fearful of? Because there's something more important to you than the thing you're fearful of. Mm. And Kathleen, I hope it's okay if I mention this, but you were saying Mm. that when you uh, were going to come on this morning, you were saying (laughs) that you you were sort of feeling anxious about coming on. And I had exactly the same uh, feeling when I first started doing the podcast. In fact, when I first got asked, I said, hell no. Like, I'm an Mm. introverted person. There's Mm. no way. But the idea is that you said, oh, I'm willing to do this right? because there's something important here for me that's even more important to me than the fear. Mm. And so that's what I might, that uh, just a, like a little reframe, but I do think a very important one for kids mm. or adults. And so um, going on with your own story, Kathleen, when did your anxiety start to become a problem? Like, because when you're a kid, you're just using these coping mechanisms, you're dealing with it. At what point in your life did you see it as like, oh, mm. I actually need some some help to de- to cope with this? Right. Um, well, ironically, I would say when the book came out. Oh, is that right? <laughs> oh, speaking of, so, she probably is not going to give it the plug it deserves, but it is one of the most charming children's books I've ever read. And I uh, think you so encapsulates the experience of kids who are fearful in such a beautiful and poignant way. It's called mm-hmm. The Best Worst Thing. And I was reading the reviews by librarians. They love this book mm-hmm. in public Thank libraries. You. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when did my anxiety really show up? Um, so, you know, this, actually this book, I never really set out 
to write. Um, I it it originally was a short story in a short story collection that I was developing, and my agent said, you know, it's narrated by a young girl. Maybe you should consider this, you know, explore it as a middle grade. And I said yes, but inside I was screaming no. Um, I wasn't <laughs> that interested in writing a middle grade at the at the time. Yeah. And um, I really didn't consider this. So I didn't set out to write a story about a young girl with anxiety. And I certainly didn't see it as my story. Mm. I was pretty detached from it because Mm -hmm. as a short story, it was actually more focused on the father and his need to be a hero or seen as a hero by his family. So it wasn't until I was pretty far into the book, um, just exploring the possibility (laughs) of it as a middle grade. Yeah. That I thought, oh wait a minute, <laughs> this oh, wow. is sort of familiar. <laughs> well, uh, we have a lot, have a lot in common with this young girl <laughs> who's narrating this book. Yeah, um, the mind can sneak up on you like yeah, that. Yeah. It really, it really can. I mean, I'm so grateful to the book now. I will say that putting the book out into the world was kind of a painful experience yeah. for me. Um, yeah. You know, I was caught up in my own failings around the book. And, you know, I had all kinds of, you know, anxiety stories that were spinning around in my brain. And then, you know, accompanied by the shame spin of why can't I get over this? I'm out representing this book. You know, I've said in the book that we need to let go of the things that we can't control. (laughs) And I am not letting go of those things myself. And I am being invited into classrooms um, to share my wisdom that I hadn't yet um, gathered. Don't so. you think, though, that part of the way that kids love you is when you say, look, I also have this and I also struggle with these things. And every day I'm looking for ways that I can manage my anxiety. One thousand percent. Like somehow then you become the superhero to them. I think that is the message or they become the superhero to themselves. I mean, we're sitting in a circle. We're all at the same level. We're all I mean, we start every session with the ritual of writing our worry on a stone and sharing that with each other. Just this Mm -hmm. practice of our, you know, our thoughts are separate from us we have control over them we get to decide what to do mm. with these worries of ours are we going to hold on to them are we going to set them aside are we going to share them with our friend um, I'm in it with them you know I'm sharing what what's going on with me that day they're seeing that we're seeing through the process of being together week after week that those worries don't stay with us um, some of them do and that's okay too um, but we can move on. We can laugh. We can engage in other parts of our, you know, day and lives. And um, they don't; those worries don't have to take up as much space. It's so beautiful, and it's part of my big dream. When I started doing this ten years ago, I was so hopeful that there was going to be someone who would develop a curriculum that was all about emotional (laughs) intelligence and that Mm. people would hire tutors both for the mind as they would hire for their kids' SAT prep. And it sounds like you did it. Well, it's funny you say that because my next idea, (laughs) (laughs) my next idea, I mean, this is, you know, an unrealistic one, but I think that we should devote sixth grade to mental and emotional wellness. So smart. Right? Um, An entire curriculum built around just getting our insides in order so that we can manage life and, you know, carry some 
inner power with us. And you know? what a perfect time to do it at that time right? of transition. Mm-hmm. It's getting really tough for them. They're, right. they're so much more identified with how people see them rather than just living in their own creative being. Right. right. And we, yeah, we, we've, you know, we started out with sixth graders and that's our main focus right now just because of that. You know, yeah. it's when kids are leaving that, you know, innocent cocoon of their childhood, mm-hmm. you know, they're beginning to, you know, see the world, um, you know, this expanded view of the world yeah. and and all that that carries with it. So, um, you know, there's so much out there that's troubling for kids that they have to somehow fold into their understanding of the world. They don't yet have... Um, maybe the maturity or the, um, what do I want to say, the perspective maybe. Yeah. And even mm-hmm. and the language, you know, that's what though I keep finding is that even as adults, we've grown up without the language to describe our interior. Yes. Right. You know, right. Right. We don't, we can't really detect what the difference is between obsessiveness and anxiety. Like what is the difference and is there and right. who can tell me whether one is normal right. and one is not? Well, you know? and, and part of what I love about how you're speaking about this, Kathleen, is that, you know, I think right now in our culture, there is a lot of discussion about we have to have more mental health treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to treat the mentally ill people. Right. And what I love about what you're saying is, or this is just like a function of having a human mind mm. and we might need to learn mm-hmm. some skills for living with this human mind that can give us things like worries or anxieties right. or, you know, all these these other sticky thoughts. And so it's this very kind of normalizing, just like you would kind of learn how to deal with any other part of being a human um, rather than, oh, if you're struggling, that means you're sick or mm-hmm. ill right. and you need to get treated and then you'll be back to where the rest of us are. Right. Yeah. I think that's the bigger problem is this extra layer of exactly. you know, shame that ki- exactly. you know, kids are walking around thinking that there's something wrong with them right. Right. when they're having a pretty normal reaction to this world. Yeah. I mean, this world is a little crazy right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Um, in addition to everything that we, um, you know, took on as middle schoolers, you know, just the social and academic pressure and everything else that goes along with being a middle grader. I mean, they're dealing with the possibility that somebody could walk into their school with a gun. They're very aware of what's going on in the news. They're carrying around their news source in their pocket, you know, along with an up-to-the-date up to up to date, you know, status report and how they're doing socially. It, it, you right. know? And right. So no it's just it's so much. So you know, oh, yeah. it, it is it is normal what they're feeling. Um, so you know, I really want to change the conversation from what's wrong with our kids to what's right yes. with our kids. Yes, and, so awesome. And what's right with them is that they're first of all, I mean, they're in touch. They're aware of what's going on in the world. They're sensitive to it. Yeah. You know, so highlighting the flip side of what we would normally see as, you know, um, cause for concern or mental, you know, treatment. Um, Well, you're you're normalizing the experience of growing up in a very, very complicated world, you know. Right. And what what I want to talk about, if we Mm -hmm. could, you create this place for anyone to share their fears when they come in. How open are they in the beginning with doing this? Does it take a little while and a little trust building for you to get there? It takes about two seconds. (laughs) I mean, it honestly does. Um, You know, um, you know, that was my. 
I wondered the same thing, yeah. of course, before session one. But, you know, the kids were very open about what they were feeling mm-hmm. and very receptive to what everybody else in the group shared. Um, and, you know, just showed a lot of empathy for each other. And it was a beautiful thing. I mean, the spirit of the groups, I would say, is very um, joyful. Wow. You know, you wouldn't expect that. Yeah. Um, I think that's so awesome. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Oh. Let's talk a little bit about how you use it, because I went through for each of the different projects that you, and it's a combination of written projects. It's a combination of artistic projects. Mm. And some of it is actually, it looks like it's hand building, like you're trying mm. to get them to engage their hands. First of all, is there a theory behind all of this? Did you work with psychiatrists, psychologists, or did you just create this? Um, just created. I mean, wow. um, you know, it was a creative exercise. And, you know, this is a message that I think is worth sharing with kids. How yeah. can I present that in a way where it's tactile, where they're, you know, engaging with it, where they're feeling it more than thinking it? Yeah. So when you talk about worry is just courage waiting to get out. Worry is your body telling you that you're about to try something new, which can feel uncomfortable. Without fear, though, courage would not exist. So next time you feel nervous or anxious, take a deep breath and go for it. Trust us afterwards, you'll feel much less like a worrier and more like a warrior. (laughs) I mean, beautiful. So you've integrated your writing. And then what is Mm. the experience that they're using in that time for this exercise? What are they doing to engage in this as well? Uh, you know, it's a process of, you know, first opening a dialogue around whatever, you know, in this case, you know, re-seeing or changing their point of view about themselves. So, um, in this case, uh, you know, we've shared our worries, we've expressed those with each other, but, oh, look, you know, we're, we're here. We showed up to this day. Um, we showed up to these relationships that we're worried about. So, you know, just moving them into a new place, a new understanding of what's going on for them, something else to hold on to besides, you know, I'm fearful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, engaging in in a creative project that really allows them to express that in an artistic way. So could you read some of the responses that you brought in from when you asked them to describe the, sure. Yeah, I would love that. I don't know if you, I brought a few copies, so I don't know if we'd want to go one, two, three. Sure. Oh, sure. So you can yeah, hear the separation idea. of voice. Oh, so yeah. I love that. Um, this is an exercise called Capture the Feeling. Um, we talk about how, you know, um, anxiety is one word that doesn't really speak to our individual experiences. So, mm-hmm. you know, beyond that, what is my own personal relationship with anxiety? What's going on in my mind and body? How does it feel to me? Yeah. And then how do I work with that feeling? So the first part of the exercise is just getting, you know, going through a series of creative prompts that help them to identify a metaphor. Oh, so great. And then working with that same metaphor, the second part of the exercise is, okay, um, when I'm caught up in that feeling, what can I remember? What can, what will help me to get through it? So I've, each one that we'll read is a different response okay. from a different student. And then at the end, I added some of their advice to themselves separately. Oh, beautiful. So I might not be able to make it through it without crying. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Remember, these are sixth graders. I know. That's oh, my gosh. So beautiful. Oh. So maybe you should start. Okay. I'll be okay. blue. And then we'll go. Okay. 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 
Worry is like an angry bull in my brain. Like a bear that won't stop clawing me. Like butterflies starting to fly in my stomach. Worry feels like a tornado that won't go away. Like a snake is pressing my inside so hard and it won't let go of me. Like my head is a doorstop trying to stop something bigger than me. Worry is like the stomp of a giant. Like bees in my head. Like an itch I can never scratch. It's like I'm in a race so close to the finish line, but there's a rope pulling me backward into a black cloud full of fears and darkness. It's like there's a thought stuck stuck in the back of my brain with superglue, and the harder I try to pull it off, the harder it sticks. Worry is like gunshots in my head. Like an alarm clock. Like crashing plates. Like a tracker jacker. (laughs) It's like being trapped in a box. Like I'm in a long, dark tunnel and the only way out is through a sea of trouble. Like I am on a journey across mountains that reach across the sky. Like clouds greedily searching for another moon. But I know I will get over the mountain. But I know that the light will come out. But I know I'll be out of plates soon. But I know the butterflies will fly away. But I know the clouds will soon clear, and I can get back to the race. Oh, my gosh. We need that. You need to get this published. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Beautiful, right? It's oh, incredible. my gosh. Oh, Jenna, it's amazing. How does the um, inherent um, beauty and knowing of what these kids are doing dovetail with what you're doing in your practice? Yeah, I feel I was I was thinking here, like when people ask me what ACT is, I would like you to describe what you do and say, <laughs> so that's kind of ACT at its very, very best. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that you're talking about here are being able to look at thoughts rather than from thoughts. Mm-hmm. So being able to kind of see them and objectify them and even have some beauty to them or some kind of haunting creativity that's a very different thing than kind of just being caught up in the worry thought mm. so the, in act we call that diffusion and then we talk about um perspective taking an act and being able to shift perspective so you said by sharing these worry rocks or sh- sharing other people's stories you can kind of see oh that's a thought that Sheila has and Sheila is like this amazing person and she has those anxious thoughts. Oh, you should have seen Mm. me this morning. (laughs) (laughs) So by, by being able to kind of take the other's perspective, you can, you can ask yourself, Oh, how would I want to respond to myself given that that's how I would want to respond to Sheila. Yeah. And then this piece about values, what's most important to you and committed action, taking actually doing something that is in the service of what's most important to you is exactly what you're talking about Mm. here. So, I mean, it's just all, it's just so fantastic. Mm. And I'm so glad you didn't talk to psychologists or psychiatrists (laughs) when you were developing this because you have like the intuitive, this is what... This is mm. what sort of is needed, and we probably would have screwed you up had you talked <laughs> well, to us. Well, you know what? I did. After, after I had um, you know, put the website together and, and created some projects, I did um, meet with the clinical director at the Northwest Anxiety Institute to yeah. say, oh, yeah. hey, is this, yeah. how's this thing? Yeah. Super. And I made a couple of adjustments. Super. Um, that you know, he had some insights that were helpful. Oh, that's um, great. And I'm now teaching creative workshops there with his 
Oh with my the clients. Oh, that is so cool. So that's been really meaningful. Oh um, my gosh. So I that's promised so you I wasn't exciting. going to to try to get um, into your uh, bureaucratic business, but mm-hmm. I find that public schools in particular are really slow to deal mm-hmm. with. They're really resistant to change. So how did you convince the public schools to adopt this curriculum? Um, well, the first round, I got a um, grant from the Regional Arts and Culture Council. So, so a that bit made hoof it behind it. Yeah, yeah. hoof. Um, uh, yeah, right. So we had the the endorsement of the of the Regional Arts Council, and we had um, an offering that was free. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was a that was an easy way in. Um, and you know, found three very supportive counselors. Counselors, you know, they're so overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, they don't really, you know, they want more programs, but they don't want more programs. I mean, you know, it's it's a lot for them to manage. They have the ratio right now is one counselor to four hundred and fifty students. Oh my so gosh. they're putting out fires all day. Absolutely. They don't have time for this, um, you know, small group work. So to have somebody come in from the outside and offer it, mm. um, you know, great. But I think the the long term vision and where where what I'm most excited about right now is how counselors are taking it on um, themselves, and you know the. The intention is to get this out there in a way that's easy for others to implement. Yeah, that makes so much sense. You know, counselors, one teacher or one counselor in meeting with her, I said, what do you really need for this to be something that would be valuable to you, for you to actually adopt it? And she said, I need it to be grab and go. Oh, yeah. And so that's what I've been working toward. You know, how can all the projects be written in a way that they can just you know, pick them up and 10 minutes later be in a group of students. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, the the website itself is fascinating because it's create more, fear less. Mm. But it's create more fearless. Right. So did, <laughs> right. You, did you have a preference for how people read it? No. You don't? <laughs> I don't. Either work. Uh, yeah. Either work. <laughs> right. But, it, but um, I was really amazed that even as a, you're not a visual artist, and you probably aren't a handyman, but you have handyman-type experiments on there, like building the light box. Oh, Why? Right. Why did you feel the need to have both hmm. hand interest as well as mind interest? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't... Hmm. I didn't... I guess I didn't set out with that intention. Oh. Like, um you know, that was a project that grew out of, all of them sort of grew out of an idea. And then how do I take that idea and turn it into a creative project? Yeah. Um, in that case, it was this idea of, you know, shining the light on what what gifts you have inside you, right? Yeah. These things that we overlook mm-hmm. um, when we're so caught up in our anxiety. So... Um, it's interesting because I thought it was a reflection of my daughter went through the Montessori system and their belief was always if you can have the child busy with their hands, it frees up the ability mm. to do all of the other work, really. Mm. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's a Montessori type thought there, hmm. the building of the box and then the same th- time talking about your own light and your own source of inspiration right well Um, a way that we might i might see that as well is having these physical objects actually serve as a metaphor and as soon as you're starting to work in metaphor either like a physical metaphor or kind of a verbal metaphor the thoughts take on uh, they're they're they have a different quality, right? Now they're like this object that you can kind of play with yeah. and manipulate and right. see from different perspectives. 
And that's why metaphor, either a physical doing or a verbal metaphor, is so helpful when it comes to anxiety. Yeah, I think that's right. Getting out of our minds, exactly. Right? Somewhere to put yep. all that swirling yep. energy. Exactly. That we have. So I was, um, I, I often find myself in mental health conversations these days. Of course, I don't know why. <laughs> but I'm on the trail and I run into an old friend and her daughter in fifth grade started suffering from extreme anxiety, paralyzing anxiety. And when she attempted to get counseling, the counselor was overwhelmed and said, I have 40 girls like this. And let me tell you, all of them are like your daughter, super smart, really perfectionistic, mm. incredibly driven. You have one of your angles in your program that says hi perfectionists come on in mm -hmm. <laughs> why why do you speak to that group in particular uh, you know that came up at the northwest anxiety institute um there were you know the two that i was working with at the time they were dealing with crippling perfectionism and yeah. that's something that i related to um and so you know we decided we need to take this on wow. um so the next week we set out to make the worst art we could possibly make oh that was our challenge and it was really interesting because all of us every time it was a mess you could see us trying to kind of correct you know like <laughs> so amazing <laughs> and then the rule was if it starts to look too good you have to do something to destroy it again so we had these oh. layered this artwork that was like dimensional in the end it had you know clay stuck on it and garbage and, you know it was just a mess we were dripping paint and it was so satisfying, you know, and then part of it, you know, it is exposure therapy at the mm -hmm. Northwest Anxiety Institute. Mm -hmm. So the second part was signing our names to it and then proudly showing it to the other clinicians. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, OK, I think that goes back to something you said at the very beginning, that you are somebody that has probably run on the more anxious side most mm -hmm. of your life. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, what got added to that was some dirty suffering around and I shouldn't be like this and there's something right. wrong with me yeah. and all of this shame. And so here kind of what you're doing in this, in this art um, kind of the perfectionism uh, project there is you're sort of saying, okay, well I'm still going to have anxiety, but fuck you to the, <laughs> right. to the shame and all of the other dirty suffering that society has kind of put right. on top of it. And when it is only anxiety, I don't mean to minimize it. Like I hate feeling anxious too, but it is different than having anxious thoughts and all this shame and hiding and, oh my God, I'm supposed to be able to get over this kind mm, of thing. Yeah. There's something wrong with me. Right. So I, I love the playful attitude ab yeah, about yeah. it. I, well, there's a second, if I can yeah. go back yeah. to something you said earlier um, when you were talking about this idea that everybody else has their together right you know, right you were talking about sheila you know right. and, and her like <laughs> right. oh, why biggest, is she so together the biggest and, mess i know <laughs> right <laughs> right right yeah um why is sheila so perfect and <laughs> i'm you know having such a hard time with my anxiety and i think that's a big you know that's a concern right now when you have you know kids at such young ages working on their brands you know they're creating oh, yeah. these personas yeah. online that yes. um that would have others you know assuming that everything they're is just perfect. grand in their lives so not only that mm -hmm. but then they're comparing themselves to other fifth graders who are who have brand managers who mm -hmm. have professional photographers right. and that's the standard yep. well they're so, comparing yeah. their insides Sides. to other people's totally. outsides right. that's and a great that's way to put it not Jenna. 
right. not a fair really, comparison. Really good way to put it. <laughs> right, yeah. and we're showing yeah. about this much. Right, you know, exactly. A fraction of our pinky to each other <laughs> yeah. because, exactly. you know, um, you've probably heard the statistic how many thoughts we have in a day. Yeah. 50 to 70,000 thoughts every day. Right. And, you know, when I ask students to guess... First of all, they say everything from two to, you know, millions, <laughs> depending on their age. So that never, that always falls a little flat. But the point is, you know, we have these 70,000 thoughts and we're yep. only showing so Absolutely. few of yeah. them. And so, yeah. you know, I think revealing more of the, the muck, the mess, you totally. know, is really yeah. important for oh. kids to see that in each other. Here, here. Okay, I'm going to plug you one more time because I can tell you're not a person who will go, hold on, I'm going to plug my book and I'm going to plug my website. <laughs> oh, I really want especially um, counselors and, and school teachers who might be interested in adopting this program to, to check it out at createmorefearless.org and to ask your librarian about the order of the best worst thing by Kathleen Lane. Worry is courage just waiting to get out. Thanks for your courage for being here today, Kathleen. Thank you for having me. And how do we help grow this program? What can we do? Oh, thanks for that question. Um, what you're doing right now, thank first of you. all, and thank you for your own advocacy around yeah. mental illness, um, both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just spreading the word as you're doing. That's yeah. so helpful. Um, I think anytime we can flip the language in our conversations with kids and with parents and teachers and counselors and, you know, highlight the gifts that come along with the anxious mind. I forgot to say, you know, I love to ask kids, what good is anxiety brought to your lives? And they're always like, of course, initially stumped by that question, but then the list is pretty long. Absolutely. I'm here because of my anxiety. I wrote this book because of my anxiety. This program was born out of anxiety. And, you know, they're, they're, they're just, Helping kids to see that this they have this creative power source yeah. inside them. And if they can use that power source to create fears and worries, they can also use that power source to change the story. Yeah. You know, and write new stories. Just to circle back to the the amazing interview, I hope you all take time to listen to it. Um with the daily he asked her, she was sitting in her bedroom and he asked her to name the things in her bedroom that really meant a lot to her and that were in that room because of her anxiety. And she looked around and she said, well, all these people. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow. Hmm. She didn't name her things. She didn't Mm -hmm. name Mm -hmm. getting a medication that helped her. She didn't name anything. She she named the people who helped her communicate what she was going through. I hope you check out that because I'm all about really, really compelling radio and communication. And that is one of the most beautifully emotional shows I've ever listened to. Oh, that's wonderful. And I also want to plug Kathleen's website. You should have seen me yesterday in the coffee shop. I'm sitting the tears are coming down oh. my face. I keep bugging my partner. No, 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 but just one more. You got to hear this thing. You got to hear this thing. It was so beautiful and inspiring, mm. yeah. both to see the work that you're doing and then also to see, like, you have all these fantastic, amazing quotes by these kids. Mm. Like, my God, there's so much wisdom there. It's yeah. unbelievable. Right. Yeah. So if you, if, uh, if you want some inspiration and just some amazing creative kind of wonderful examples go to uh go to kathleen's website yeah it's create really more Thank you for yeah our show is brought to us by the foundation for excellence in mental health care and if you're supporting what we're doing here today just click on the link and you can make a donation and become a sustaining member thanks again for being with us thank you so yeah, much thank Sheila. you thank you bye, bye, bye.